Warning. Project 1982 contains explicit language. Please, don't tell mummy. Some men change their times. One man changed the world for all time. My name is Gandhi, Mohandas K. Gandhi. Well, whoever you are, we don't want you here. I suggest you get back on that train before it leaves. They seem to want me. Columbia Pictures presents a Richard Attenborough film, Gandhi. But I think, because there are a couple movies I watched that I felt were so relevant to today, and Gandhi is one of them. I, 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 would, I totally agree, actually. Like, I, I, I found this movie incredibly current. Mm -hmm. Watching in the context of 1982, it feels like a throwback. But watching it in the context of 2022, I'm like, why aren't we re-releasing this movie? Mm -hmm. This is a movie about um, change. It's about... Um, Nonviolence, nonviolence, as a, right. as a, as a, as, a uh, as an agent of change. It's about showing compassion and love. And when you see the people that Gandhi influenced, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, you know, towers, towers of humanity. It's incredible. It was an incredible. It's an incredible movie. It continues to be an incredible movie. His greatest weapon was peace. In this cause, I too am prepared to die. There is no cause for which I am prepared to kill. Hello and welcome to Project 1982. I'm Michael Schantz. And I'm Matt Aldrich. And this is the show that would like to thank the movies of 1982. <laughs> we partners, we brothers and we friends. What are you people? On dope? I got nowhere else to go! Oh. I'm afraid! Alright! He likes one quick. Let's get let's just blow it up right away. Right. A black man. This has a horror house in it. Now that penis oh. had a moment. I'd recognize that penis anywhere. Fuck you two! You go clean off my door. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Enough talk. Here we are. Here we are. It's award season. Yeah, we're talking prestige movies. Uh, and I think the prestige movies are just as fascinating as the year itself. It, it really is. And and um, I, it was just so nice to watch good movies again. Yeah, I know. Because um, <laughs> yeah. we have been really, we've been hanging out in the dog pound uh, for a couple of weeks, it feels like. <laughs> it's award season, so we're what we're gonna do for for those uh, playing along at home. We're gonna split this into two episodes. This is another two parter. Today we're gonna talk about uh, it's two parter regarding the um, the Oscars and the the, the movies from nineteen eighty two that were nominated uh, for the Academy Awards. And uh, today we're gonna talk about the best actor and best actress category. Now I, I'm gonna I'll read the best actor category, and and for me yeah. like. This is heavy hitters. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, this is here's the best actors uh, for 1982 Ben Kingsley as Gandhi, Dustin Hoffman as Michael Dorsey in Tootsie, Jack Lemon as Edmund Hormand in Missing, Paul Newman as Frank Galvin in The Verdict, and Peter mm. O'Toole as Alan Swan in My Favorite Year. Kingsley, Hoffman, Lemon, Newman, and O'Toole. Yeah, like I defy you to the find the best a year. of the best. God damn it! It's like Mount Rushmore. Yeah, obviously these guys are at all at very different points in their career in 1982. Peter O'Toole, obviously, um, he is. He's not uh, at the end of not, his career by any means. No, but but he but he's he's had his um he, you know he's Lords of Arabia for crying yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, right. Um, and then you have Ben Kingsley who is playing like. His Lawrence of Arabia, right? He is right, playing, exactly, playing yeah. his his incredible um, uh, epic role, uh, and, and he's at the beginning of his career. Dustin Hoffman is somebody who's in the middle of his career and kind mm -hmm. of at the height of his powers. Jack Lemon is uh, definitely in, in a sort kind of, of like a Peter O'Toole. Yeah, he's not he's at the end of his act. career, yeah. but he's. He's in the twilight of his career. Uh, and he's transitioning to a different kind of To a different role, kind of role. Where he's yeah. now a father and a grandfather yeah. and like in, in sort of... Uh, well, uh, and finally we have Paul Newman. Paul Is Paul Newman ever like not in the prime of his career? Right. And he's... Well, it, and when it, you've it, got it, like... And by the way, but I mean, not to just sell this, but uh, Paul, Paul Newman in one of my favorite performances of his. 
Yeah, me too. Ever. Like, Ever. Like, if you're in a... And he like, had one just the year before, An Absence of Malice. And furthermore, in regards to this role specifically, you know who had this role in his hands first? Who? Robert Redford. Oh, uh. Well, and it, he didn't like the alcoholic part of it and was trying to change that and finally dropped out. And Paul Newman who said, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that on the three yard line and walk it. Yeah, in. Um, exactly. Um, God, what a good movie. I literally just watched it again last night. Also, I might add, I had the, you know, I could I could rent this movie for four dollars mm-hmm. or buy it for ten dollars. I said, I'll buy it for six yeah, more dollars. Sure. Because it's just that good a movie. Because the other thing about 1982 is when you're talking about performances, or I, obviously a little bit later we'll be talking best picture stuff, but you get into these these epic kind of movies that are, you know, some of them are over three hours long. A lot mm-hmm. of them are two and a half hours long. Uh, and they're great movies, but by virtue of that alone, sometimes you say, once is enough. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and the verdict isn't that. Neither is that performance. You can come back to that. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think Missing is one of those movies where uh, this was the first time I'd ever seen it. Mm-hmm. And as we'll discuss, it was not easy to find. Yeah, you know, I, I, I in all of these movies. One of the things, one of the, the, I feel like the kind of the underpinnings of this show is that the reason we look at all of these movies that is that they're still in our lives today. Right. Right? They are on streaming services, they're being rebooted, they're being remarketed to us in uh, um, some of them are on um, Broadway. Some of them are coming to Broadway, they're being they're they're uh they're still in our lives. Yeah. Missing isn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Missing is one of these rare movies from this year from 1982 that has uh, all but vanished. It's mm-hmm. on no streaming services. You can't even rent it on Amazon or or buy it. We right, had, right. I had, to, I had to buy the DVD and then I had to mail it to you. Right. <laughs> it's like I basically I, I could have sent it on yeah. on Pony. That would have been like the only <laughs> yes, exactly. way to be like more archaic. Um, and I, by the way, I hadn't I hadn't seen it either. Yeah, I don't know if I would sit down and watch that again. It's a hard it's a hard movie to watch. Yeah, it's pretty brutal, but it's also very beautiful but it's an excellent film really excellent film and then gandhi is one of those films i've watched that maybe five times in my life really Um, yeah i I, because this was my this was only my second time i had seen it along i didn't see it in the theater but i i remember watching it at home and i mean you know when you're younger you're like i get this is a good movie i don't need to see it again right you know that's that's your mentality sometimes when you're younger uh, you could appreciate, uh, you know, uh, the scale of it to uh, me un- unbelievable. is unparalleled. Yeah. Uh, um, or, or at least it's unparalleled in 1982. I think you have to go back to movies yeah. from the 50s and 60s till you can find movies made on that scale. And, and, and I mean, we're talking performances right now. It's an yeah. incredible performance. Beyond. Yeah. Absolutely beyond incredible. And, and, right. and so, OK, so that's one half of our show today. Right. The other half of our show today is the best actress category. Now, right. I honestly don't know where to begin. I don't know which is the bigger Mount Rushmore here because I'm going to read. I'll read you the best. I actress. know. Right. Here's the best actress category for 1982. Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. Julie Andrews in Victor Victoria. Jessica Lange for Francis. Sissy Spacek in Missing. And Deborah Winger in An Officer and a Gentleman. Again, five... Yeah. First ballot Hall of Fame, like, and at least with Meryl Streep, you have one of the great performances ever captured on film. But it's funny, too, because you look at some of these other performances and you think, if not for Meryl Streep giving one of the all-time greatest performances. Any one of them. Any one of them. Jessica Lange and Francis. It's unbelievable. This was a movie I'd never seen before this project. Me either. Because it's not an easy movie to find. It's the one movie that I hadn't even really heard of yeah i don't remember it at all um this is a movie uh about it's a, bi- a biography about francis farmer who was sort of the hollywood it girl um at one until point, she wasn't until she wasn't and it's the story of her being completely used abused and thrown out by everybody in her life it is a it brutal, is a tragedy of 
epic proportion. And like when you go, when you when you sit there and could say like, if Sophie's Choice is a tragedy, but like it's in some ways more right. hopeful than Francis. Like, I know. If you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can like really wrap your brain around that, that there was an even more depressing movie the year it's that Sophie's, Sophie's Choice. Choice. <laughs> Sophie's Choice has been a, a joke at our culture since 1982. Yeah. So, Sophie's Choice. And a yet reading. Francis it, is more bleak. Yes, that's the crazy thing is that there was a bleaker movie than Sophie's Choice in 1982. And it was called Francis. And it was starring Jessica Lange giving, uh, uh, you know, a, a one of the performances of her, of her career. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of fascinating, too, is that like Jessica Lange at this point in her career, she was making a turn. She mm-hmm. was kind of an it girl. And then she was doing films right. uh, like Postman Always Rings Twice. Right. And then Francis. And then she's also nominated. nominated. Yeah. <laughs> and she won Best Supporting Actress the, yeah. this year for uh, for Tootsie. If you're an actor today, you got to watch every one of these movies. Yeah, right. Every one of them. I would not have wanted to be a voter in 1982, yeah. an Oscar voter, because um, I wouldn't even know where to begin. But that's what we're going to do. But that's with the benefit of do. hindsight, we're going to we're going to that's that's exactly what we're going to do. It's our pleasure to reveal the winner for the best performance by an actor in a supporting role. The nominees are Charles Durning for the best little whorehouse in Texas. Louis Gatsas Jr. in An Officer and a Gentleman. John Lithgow in The World According to Garth. James Mason in The Verdict. And Robert Preston in Victor Victoria. Chris, well, two of those performances could have been performed by women. Yeah, I guess you're trying to say that this year's Oscar Derby is partly a drag race. <clears throat> Not exactly. Right. Okay. Okay, the, and winner, the winner is. You better do that. I would be glad to, thank you very much. The winner is Lou Gossett Jr. All right, Matt. We have the. Uh, <laughs> quite the task in front of us. Uh, we're going to relook at all of these acting ca- categories. Why don't we start with supporting actors? It's another impressive list. The only one I disagree with is Durning. I feel completely. And I, and I said this in the other episode. We I think we talked about, about it. Yeah. I was like, he deserved the supporting actor nomination for that movie for Tootsie, not Whorehouse in Texas. If it was for Tootsie, I'd leave it Stan Pat. Otherwise... Yeah. Well, they're not really supporting roles, though. I kept thinking about like Peter McNichol oh. or Kevin Klein, maybe. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Kevin Klein is a he, he's a real uh, a missing character from from this list. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. Kevin Klein in Sophie's Choice was his first major movie role, Ta- and we talked about this with like Michael Keaton oh, when we were talking yes. about the brothels. You know, these actors that come out of the gate because there's so many in 1982. Yeah. And Kevin Klein, first major role, comes out of the gate just swinging. It's really something like that's something else. I think Peter McNichol. I feel like he's he was the lead actor in that movie. I know. And so I, I think Kevin between Kevin Klein and and Peter McNichol, they kind of didn't know who was the lead actor and who was the supporting actor. Maybe. And they kind of split the vote. Um, but we know, but, you know, at least we can, for the purposes of this podcast, we can give them a shout out. Definite shout out. And I mean, talk about, that, you know, the stellar work. And and during Meryl Streep's Oscar winning speech, she said, I'm, I'm basically here because of the great work of those two men. Mm. So we have these five nominees and the winner, Matt, was... Louis Gossett Jr., my question yeah. to you, first question, did they get that right? Yes. I think so, too. Full stop. I Louis Gossett Jr. in this uh, movie is, oh, God, he's so fucking good. He's, he's impeccable. He's so good. He is he, so 
Yeah, I just I just love when I see a performance when an actor is fully the character and he is fully that character. Fully, flawless. That performance has not aged a day. No. It, this was another movie I had not seen in a very, very long time. This was a yeah. movie, uh, this was a favorite movie, not of my father, but this was a favorite movie of my mother's. Mm. You know, my mother, like a lot of women her age, was sold Richard Gere. Um, in the late seventies and early eighties. Right. Yeah. And so, and they, they bought it. They bought, uh, they bought looking for Mr. Goodbar. They bought American gigolo, American and then, gigolo. And then, I was just going to say, and then here, uh, here comes an officer and a gentleman where he is playing, you know, not just like, not just a, a, a sexy man. Like he's that, like, he's never not going to be a sexy. Well, this man. is the other movie that I think is terribly relevant to today. Right. Because of his performance and that character. And not only, but that the world that they were in. I, yeah. I, one of my notes was like, I was like, this was a red state movie before there was even such a thing as a red state. Right. Like this was a movie, this is a blue collar movie. I always had remembered this movie as being like a beautiful romance with kind of a Cinderella ending. And it is, except it's ugly. This yeah, it is, is an ugly movie yeah. the set direction the art direction the cinematography uh just the weather it's so yeah. decidedly unromantic people right. in this world have very few options they can either fly in the navy to get out mm-hmm. marry somebody in the navy marry to in, get yeah out, right or stay and work in a factory like yeah. those are your options if you are in your 20s in this town it's bleak it's super mm-hmm. bleak and you could go to different parts of the country where all of that's the same. You can go to Pittsburgh. Yeah. You could, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, it really it captured. And I think that's something. why it resonated so much with the country because a lot of these best pictures, you know, they don't make a lot of money. But this one was a smash hit. Smash hit. I think because because of that Cinderella ending. I feel yeah. like without that. Yes, like so many people thought that that Cinderella ending was not going to work, including Richard Gere. Yeah, he kept telling Taylor Hackford, "We can't do this. It's like it's bad idea. Too cheesy, it's not good. Too cheesy." And T- Taylor Hackford, with that song, he knew exactly what he was doing. Okay, so when I was watching this movie, I, I was in the same way that when I was watching First Blood. I was mm. like, oh, this feels like a missing link movie. This feels like one of those yeah. movies that starts as a 70s movie and ends as an 80s movie. Look, mm. right out of the gate, we're seeing Robert Loja's pubes. Yeah, I, right. Like, <laughs> like, we're like, we're like and you this know is what a I 70s movie. What I realized was, because I've seen this movie a lot, and what I realized was I hadn't seen that beginning probably more than a couple of times because I completely forgot about it. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. It's a rough beginning. And so but so you have that beginning, and then you have the end where it's so yeah. 80s. Like, it's needle drop soundtrack. He's mm-hmm. he, It's happy ending. It's I'm going to whisk you away, and the military is going to save our lives. Yes. Like, <laughs> So super, super 80s by the end of it um, that I was like, well, that's why this movie made a ton of money because it it gave the happy ending. It gave sort of the Reagan idea yeah, it, of America. I don't know if it lets us off the hook or it just lets us believe that every once in a while mm-hmm. somebody gets out and somebody wins. Right. Not everybody. That's a, that's but the reason they, I think it's so prevalent today is... You're talking about, you know, a really damaged person, a person who's like really struggling in Richard Gere. Yeah. Who can't get out of his own way because of what happened with Robert Loggia, because of how he was brought up. Yeah. I think it's another reason why this movie does so well, because we're still struggling with that today. We're struggling to realize the things that happened to us and how they affect our mental health. Mm hmm. And we're just starting to understand it now. And so to me, watching all of that on screen in 1982 mm. was really something else. Yeah. I and think... to even and going back to Louis Gossett Jr., seeing his performance, seeing Richard Gere, his character, and recognizing in him what he needed, who he is, what he isn't, what he could be. Yes. Fucking unbelievable it was it's it, that and that's why his performance is the oscar winning performance and yes yes that you could not do that movie without him yeah i was watching this with Kristen. we both walked away saying like we were much more interested in the relationship between louis yeah. Gossett jr and richard Me Gere. Too. um 
you just wanted to see how that was all going to work out. Because by the time he says, I'll never forget you at the end. When Louis Gossett Jr. has to salute him at the end because now he is an officer. Right. Oh, God, it's killing. And the the scene where he says, I got nowhere else to go. We have it in our theme song. It's such a fascinating piece because it's it comes in the middle of the movie you yeah, have a yeah. you have a climax halfway through your movie for yes. their relationship yes ah oh, it's so good it's amazing <laughs> it's such a good scene and it's decor it's 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 completely unadorned there's yeah. no score no score there's, there's no, there's no camera music. tricks yeah. no no needle drops it is just like point your camera at actors and trust them and, and let, let them do oh their my work god heartbreak devastating um, well, so what about what about? I mean, we talked about Robert Preston too in Victor Victoria. We did. We gave him he's, some play. God, he's, he's great. He steals that. He steals completely. That movie. He steals that movie out from under Julie Andrews of all people. Right. Like, sorry. <laughs> like that's amazing. So Robert Preston, love James Mason and the verdict. I I feel like this is like a. Um, this is kind of like a Thalberg kind of situation. Yeah, I think so too. And yet there's such a it's a it's a quiet performance. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Um, but it doesn't make it any less good. But that's because he's so good. Yeah. But but I get what you mean in the sense of it's it's not a flashy performance. If if he wasn't on the list and you put in the two other guys that we just talked about, right. in, you know, not that they're supporting roles, but if just for the sake of argument, Klein, Peter McNichol same. and Kevin yeah. Klein, and you got rid of Charles Durning and James Mason. I'm not pissed. No, not at all. All right. I mean, we got to move on, but let uh, me ask you this one last question. If not Louis, Go- Louis Gossett Jr., who? In that list, I got actually, I got to go Lithgow in World According to Garp, second place. That's mine. Yeah. Um, me too. He, we talked about it. Like, he gives such a loving performance. Oh, and it's again, so incredible uh, yeah again like we, we can talk about if you were to make that movie again you know or we can talk about sort of representation of trans uh actors or in trans roles and things like that um this movie was so far ahead of its time and i think it it has to that has to do a lot with yeah. lithgow's performance right Th- there's a there's a there's a, a a broad and insensitive way to play Roberta Muldoon, and then there's sure. a com- totally compassionate way to play Roberta Muldoon. And, and in, uh, in 1982, to, for him to find that performance, yeah. Um, considering everything else we've talked about that comes with 1982, yeah, yeah. that's what makes it remarkable. The, it, remarkable and, and ahead of its time. And I don't know if it aged, if it has aged well. It cur- certainly politically, it hasn't aged well. Sure. But if you can set that aside um, and watch the performance, it's really good. It's a gangbuster performance. It's, it's really, it's really that good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so let's move to supporting actress. Um, yeah. Well, dear friends and anxious ladies, the winner is the winner is Jessica Lange. This is a great honor for me. I thank you all very much. Um, I feel real lucky to have been a part of Tootsie, to have worked with actors like Charlie Durning and Dabney Coleman and Terry Garr, and to have had uh, Sidney Pollack as my director and Dustin Hoffman as my leading lady. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is so exciting. I want to thank you all. Very, very much. This means so much to me. Thank you. So let's move to supporting actress. Um, yeah. Do you have the list in front of you? Do you want to read it? I do. We have uh, Jessica Lang and Tootsie, who was the winner, mm-hmm. as we previously mentioned. The other nominees, Glenn Close in The World According to Garp, Terry Garr in Tootsie, oh. Kim Stanley in Francis, and Leslie Ann Warren in Victor Victoria. I'll ask you what you asked me. Did they get this right? I don't think they did. Oh, why not? 
Because Glenn Close was that good. She was that good. God damn it, she was that good. And we're again, Matt, we're talking about a first performance. I know. <sighs> and I'm not taking away from, like, Jessica Lange's performance really is incredible. But it, again, within the confines of, like, what she, her work in Francis and what we're talking about, it's more of a James Mason, Charles Durning kind of role. Yeah. And it's not that flashy. There's like sort of a battle, I feel like, in all of these categories between uplifting movies and downers. Yeah. <laughs> and so that Jessica Lang wins for the uplifting movie and Which loses also is for the downer like, is maybe part of it. Not that Sophie's that might, Choice is uplifting, right. but you know what I mean? Like, but the other thing I think is interesting is a lot of times, because you have two actors getting nominated for one movie with Jessica Lang and Terry Garr. Yes. And a lot of time that splits votes. Sure, sure, sure. And yet she still won. So... That says something in the minds and the eyes of the Academy voters themselves of, of how they regarded the performance. And also probably the the um, the publicity effort. I mean, like I said, Jessica Lange was sort of turning a corner in her career yeah. to, to take on meteor roles. And and so how much was behind her Oscar campaign for either role? Tootsie mm-hmm. was nominated for a ton of awards. Because right. and it was a hugely popular and, and one of the top grossing films. Major of the year. success, yeah. And it, that's one of those movies that ended up on Broadway. But it, it won very few uh, awards. Right. Um, and so here you have Tootsie winning one of its only awards mm-hmm. um, uh, with Jessica Lange's performance, and her performance is great. It is. It's a great. It's a warm. She brings a lot of life yeah. to the role. It's a really great thing, but like. Because you also get kind of what I was talking about with Richard Gere, that sort of history, that idea of why is this woman with Dabney Coleman? Yes. And the choices she's making and what she wants in her life and what she wants to be different. And all of that really is amazing. It's it's there in her performance. It totally tracks. You never ask that. Yes. You never you never go like, I'm not buying that. Yeah. Right. Um, but Glenn God, Close for wait, me. Wait, well, hold on. Now I'm like, what about Dabney Coleman for Best Supporting Actor? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Does anybody play a good asshole better than God. Dabney Coleman? Oh, my God. You know, for me in this list, uh, Terry Garr and Kim Stanley and Leslie Ann Warren, good performances. Yeah. But again, I don't, I don't, uh, they, they certainly haven't. Uh, Stood um, the test of time. Yeah, not in the way that the other performances. Uh, some of these I will say this, have. though. When I was watching Francis, and we referenced, I had never seen it. Mm-hmm. I, neither one of us had. And I, I'm watching Kim Stanley, and I'm thinking, this is a quality performance. But, yeah. And then you get to that one scene where they take Jessica Lange away one last time before she's going to get the lobotomy. Yeah. And she's yelling at her mom while she's on the sta- on the stairs. Kim Stanley literally doesn't have a line of dialogue in that scene. And that's the moment where I said, oh, I'd nominate that. Yeah, it was chilling. It was so like to the bone chilled me. It It was was, incredible. It was in some ways it was it was the same scene as uh, Sophie's choice. Yeah, right. On the the train platform. If Sophie did. Um, if, if Sophie that was, wanted if it, if it to, yeah, if it wasn't a hard choice for <laughs> yeah. Sophie, if Sophie was, if Sophie was the Nazi, like yeah. that's that was that that was that scene where oh, she's man. giving her where she's giving her daughter away, saying yes, please lobotomize her, you know, because mm-hmm. um, she's impossible to control. Um, On the other hand, Terry Gar, I think is I think it's it's a great performance. It is. is it an Oscar performance? I don't know, <laughs> but. But it is a great performance, and I guess the one thing I like about that nomination is comedy is just not recognized nearly enough No, as being equal to drama when you're talking about acting performances. And actually, one of the actors who didn't get nominated this year is going to finally win Kevin Kline in 88 for A Fish Called Wanda Wanda. for for a comedic performance, and that just almost never happens, you know? So I like that they're that there are at least comedic performances nominated. I at least appreciate that. So at the end of the day, Jessica Lange deserves it, or are you on the Glenn Close train? Yeah, I think I would have to... Uh, yeah, I would have to do Glenn Close. Okay. I think so, only because... No, I don't know. I mean, I would if 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 it if I was looking at this list and it was reversed, Glenn Close for World According to Garp and Jessica Lang lost for Tootsie, I would and you were asking me the same question, I would be like, 
yeah, I would. I wouldn't be mad. I think World According to Garp was a smaller film. It didn't make yeah. as much money. Sure. It wasn't going to get a, as many votes. It was. I noticed a, a that critic, too. Like the mix, the critics' results were 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 mixed on it. They didn't quite know what to make of this movie at the time. Yeah. Um, but I'm also so, starting to notice maybe a trend, and maybe this is part of the '82 of it all, especially because Spielberg is really getting into his wheelhouse when we're talking about how money affects nominations. Mm-hmm. The popular movies. Yes. Because you have like a bit of a hybrid here where, I mean, Gandhi is not a meek movie in terms of the money it made or anything like that. But uh, you have the prestige movies, but you also have popular movies also starting to get nominated Mm -hmm. for Best Picture, like an E.T. kind of a thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's. um, uh, Yeah, I think I think I don't know. I think they got it. I think they got it right. But I think there were many ways to get it right. All right. It's a solid category. Can't disagree. It's my high honor to present the award for best actress in a leading role. No writer, director, or producer would have anyone to blame if he had any of these fine ladies starring in his film. The nominees are for her hilarious depiction of a woman who passes herself off as a man pretending to be a woman. Julie Andrews and Victor Vittoria. For her riveting portrayal of the beautiful but tortured actress whose star was a comet that burned out too soon, Jessica Lange in France. For her compelling realism as a frustrated wife caught between revolution and bureaucracy, Sissy Spacek in Missy. For her astonishing versatility in bringing William Styron's victim from the printed page to the screen, Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice. For her beguiling honesty as the winsome factory worker who makes a gentleman out of an officer, Deborah Winger. No matter what the decision, they've all made film history and I commend you all. And the winner is Marvelous Meryl Streep. Best actor, best actress. I feel like um, I feel like starting with supporting actor and supporting actress was great because it was easy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. Um, best actor, best actress. Let's start with uh, let's start with best actress because uh, I right. feel like we were just talking about um, we were just talking about a lot of these same movies yeah. and a lot of these same uh, actors. And so uh, again, to refresh, we got Meryl Streep in Sophie's Choice, Julie Andrews in Victor Victoria, Jessica Lange in Francis, Sissy Spacek in Missing, Deborah Winger in An Officer and a Gentleman. Meryl Streep won. I'll ask you, did they get it right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I think it's hard. That's hard to. It's argue. hard to argue against. <laughs> well, it, but I do think that Jessica Lange gives one of the most incredible performances. And it's like on any other year, it's her award. I, but let me ask, let me, let me put it to you because we do have 40 years on we have 40 years worth of hindsight mm-hmm. and Meryl Streep's uh, performance in Sophie's choice. It has become legend, the stuff mm-hmm. of legend and it precedes itself. So when you sit down today to watch Sophie's choice, you're sort of ready to, you watch, you enter it knowing that you're about to watch one of the great performances captured on film. Try to put yourself in the the mindset of somebody in 1982 who doesn't know that this is going to be legendary. That she's a legendary actor, too. Like, that she's going to be, yeah. You don't know who's going to stand the test of time. Yeah, you don't know how. Tough. Because, it, like, with Jessica Lange and Meryl Streep, it really is like the tale of, like, one of them becoming legend and the other one fading into obscurity. But when you really watch them side by side, you're like, God, I don't know. I don't know who gives a better performance. It really right. challenges you to even ask what that question's even about. I mean, under those guidelines... 
you could see why the flashier performance feels like Jessica Lange. Uh, that's the wrong, that's the wrong verbiage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they literally are neck and neck. It is, it is breaking the tape at the same time. Mm. You know, photo finish, photo finish. Yeah. And I guess the, the, the one reason I didn't equivocate when I said yes to Meryl Streep is that on this watching, the one thing that, just stands out as being completely astonishing to me is that I know that I'm watching Meryl Streep, but I never think about Meryl Streep. She is completely and totally a person not from this country in that movie. And that's that, that, you know, that's a particular bit of acting. That's, that's hard to do. You know what I mean? She is a, like a small meek Polish woman. Yeah. And, And who is like, devastated um, with her sadness but still like trying to like paper over that and try yeah. to be happy and have parties and be mischievous and oh my god it's really a but it's all there it is here's what i here, here here's my take on why meryl streep wins and jessica lang doesn't okay i think sophie's choice is just a better movie absolutely that that is true and in the photo finish of it all ty goes to the better movie yeah, that there's more around Meryl Streep than there is in Francis. I feel like mm-hmm. once you understand that, like, okay, this is a movie about a system chewing up a young woman and crushing her individualism and it wringing out everything it can and then tossing her aside, and sure. and that's what this movie is is going to show you. And uh, once you realize that, okay, this is the movie that I'm watching. Plot-wise, it just kind of plods forward for me. Yeah, like I, I felt like it just kind of kept doing the same thing. Well, and that's the big thing is it repeats. It's a very repetitive movie. Yeah, I don't think they got it wrong. I think Jessica Lange does it a, a, a extraordinary job, but um, but she's just in the lesser movie. Yeah. Um, is there any in that list that you would take out? That's a t- that's a tough call. Um, again, when you're talking about the, the flashy roles, right. Uh, does that apply to Sissy Spacek or Deborah Winger? Probably not, but does it make those performances less than I, you know, I wouldn't say that. I don't think it makes it less than I, I feel like, um, Sissy Spacek, uh, she, she does a fantastic job in that movie. I feel like hers but is it's actually sort more of, of a supporting one note. role. Yeah, I feel like hers was a supporting role too. Structurally, yeah, that's true. The, the the it's a it's a funny movie missing where it it changes gears several times. At at first, the movie opens and it feels like Charlie's movie. I don't I don't know the actor's yeah. name off the top of my head. It feels like Charlie's movie, and then at around the twenty minute mark, it becomes uh, Sissy Spacek's movie. Yeah, and then at around the thirty-five minute mark, it becomes Jack Lemmon's. Jack Lemmon's movie, right? It's so much so that when I when I went to uh, the Wikipedia page for that movie, the plot synopsis starts with Jack Lemmon lands in Chile. Oh wow! And I and was that's like, deep into the movie. I was like, it does not. That movie yeah. goes on for a half an hour before Jack Lemmon lands in Chile. Wow, so, that's interesting. So that was a kind of a um, um, that was kind of crazy. That was a. Uh, that's how much it feels like. That's Jack a bit Lemmon's of a tell. Movie. It is a tell. Yeah. Um, and that's how much it feels like Jack Lemmon's movie and how much Sissy right. Spacek feels like a supporting right. character in his movie. But when at the same time, she has more screen time. Exactly. She, You know what I mean? It's yeah, that's interesting. Again, it's not a very commercially successful movie. It's it's critically well regarded. It was a, it was, you know, the darling of the Cannes Film Festival that year. I feel like this is a movie wh- whereas we were saying with uh Jessica Lange, that the movie wasn't as good as the performance. I feel like this movie is on the same level as the performance. I feel like this movie's really good. It's yeah. just, it's brutal. It's a brutal right. movie. Again, <laughs> I would say it's harder to watch than Sophie's Choice. Yeah. So the thing that so the 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 thing that Sophie's Choice does for you, because. We're in Brooklyn and just the nature of the story, you're you're listening to a writer basically write his book. Yes. And so you get those madcap moments because mm-hmm. there, t- th- there are times when Kevin Klein and Meryl Streep are um, 
not go. You know, their characters aren't in. They're not always in their batshit moments. Right. They're not always deep in their depression. They're not always deep into their mental illness. And so you can have, you know, there are moments where you have fun. And what makes it jarring is then those moments when Kevin Klein goes off the handle and you just think, what the fuck? You know, right, right, right. Whereas missing is just like it's not even a it's like it's a fine hard to find the heartbeat. It's just like straight ahead sadness the whole time Uh, and menace. And also because, you know, it's like the government is doing it. Our government is doing it to them. Yes. Which is the really nihilistic part of that movie that makes you, you know, and this is a true story. Yeah. And I read that the casket that you see coming off the plane at the end. Yeah. When DNA testing came around, they did a DNA test, not his body. Oh, my God. You're kidding. So me. the wife is still trying to find out oh what happened. Oh, my God. That's oh how God. sad that movie is. Okay. Sad, but you have to sit down and watch one movie tonight, Missing or Francis. Which one do you watch? Missing. Me too. Yeah. I just think it's a better movie. Because it's a better movie. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, it's a good movie. Like, it's a good movie. And I feel like the Francis only adds like 66% on Rotten Tomatoes, if my memory is serving me right. okay. You know, it's it like, even critics at the time recognized it as not as good a movie. What a great performance. Yeah. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a, it's a crime that missing is missing, that it's hard to find. That right. you really have to kind of track it down on DVD. and um, But you know what's um, interesting about that is just the idea because, be, you know, this movie is telling you outright our government was involved. Yeah. And what does – is that a part of it? And and apparently um, when I was doing – Is that why around, the movie's hard to find? <laughs> I, th- I think so because this movie was embroiled in lawsuits for yeah. years. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, the ambassador who was named um, sued for libel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for the, it, this, it delayed the um, the home video release, it right. delayed uh, cable uh, release. This movie was kind of tied up in lawsuits for many years. And then those went away. And then afterwards, uh, it was able to be it was a universal movie. There's no reason this shouldn't be on Peacock or right. or whatever streaming service Universal is affiliated with now. Um, there's no reason it shouldn't be part of the Oscar winning library or like Jack Lemon movies or yeah. like, you know, true crime or like you could you could put it in a hundred different. I mean, you see the shit that they try to sell us now on the streaming, like, you know, <laughs> right. like the kind of goofy ass movies they're trying to give us. Um, there's no reason Missing shouldn't be. I just found Ice there. Pirates on HBO Max. I can't Why? find Missing. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if there's ever a movie that needs to just be forgotten to just die on the pyre, it is Ice Pirates. <laughs> Aside from just ranking these performances and, you know, how great they are, because they're all great. I found here's the thing I I actually liked about Francis. It felt contemporary. This like like if if you wanted to pitch the Francis Farmer biopic and want and you're like, okay, well, why do we care about Francis Farmer? He was like, well, this is why it's because we're still doing this to we're still doing this to young actresses. Mm -hmm. We're still kind of milking them for whatever delight they can give us and then we're kind of casting them aside at a certain age the first time Um, a character in that movie sees her as an actress his first words well after asking who it is is nice tits yeah yeah that's like every scene right yeah and the only character who doesn't want anything from francis is the sam Sam shepherd Shepherd. that's the that's the kind of the the um the long story and ultimately they can't end up together because she gets lobotomized. It's like, Jesus right. Christ. But there's, there's not just the misogyny, but there's also, um, this is a story where she's constantly being gaslit too, being told like, you're crazy, you're mm-hmm. crazy, you're crazy. And like the, the effect of that kind of messaging, you know, you're a woman, you're crazy. You, you're being hysterical. Well, and I, because like all of because the reason she's being told all of that is because she's independent, because yes. she has her own ideas, because, because she's a threat. She's yeah. yeah, exactly. Because she's a threat. And so they they tell her they tell her you're crazy and we're going to try to control you. We're going to stick you in this hospital, that hospital, that hospital. And finally, we're right. going to actually drill a hole into your brain. Again, like I said, there's something contemporary about this movie, even though it's I don't think it's a great movie, but. Yeah. But it's I feel like it is still worth the watch and not just to say like, it, no, it absolutely was. Yeah, it's it's worth it's I'm glad that I saw it. 
you know, and yeah. so I don't know. I just I look at these I look at these roles and I'm going, is there something about you're like what kind of roles were being offered to women? What kind of roles mm-hmm. were being what kind of performances were being celebrated? Like Deborah Winger's role, like what what did that character of Paula, what did she what did she represent? Right. Like, you know, she was somebody who was like operating under this this idea. She was able to love a damaged man. Yeah, she was and also like love the damage in herself and and all of yeah, that. That's true. Um, but like right as she's walking out or being carried out of the factory, you know, her best friend is saying, way to go, Paula. Yeah. Her best friend who, you know, and she's being carried out and her best yeah. friend is the piece of shit yeah. that, you know. It, so what's that way to go? I don't know. <laughs> you got one? Yeah. You got a pilot? Exactly. Or you act, you, 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 you chose real love and you got that? Like what's, what's the way, In you that know? world, like the, the, the women in that world are all trying to land a pilot because it's their ticket out. So it's, they, they don't want to yeah. marry for love. They want to marry so they can get out of this town. And so there's a mercenary quality to how they troll the, the bar by the base, right. you know, cause they're really looking for their ticket out. And so, you know, her friend, uh, catches David Keith. Um, and when he quits the program, she quits him because right. he, it's transactional. Love is totally transactional. It's transactional. She was lying about being pregnant. Right. Yeah, it completely. And like, and, and so Deb, the story rewards Deborah Winger's character, Paula, because she's not, she's valuing love over the transactional relationship. Right. Yet mm-hmm. she still is carried away by a guy in a uniform who's going to be right. a pilot. So, like, so yeah. she kind of gets right exactly she, in the great <laughs> Cinderella story. She gets yeah. she not only uh, uh, manages to keep her virtue intact, but she also gets the prince of the castle and all of that stuff. So, yeah. um, it's one of those Disney endings where at the end you go, "Wait a second, yeah. what did they do?" Yeah, but you know, but in Taylor Hackford's defense, it feels good when you watch it. You're yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing where it's like, you put the song on, you know, the, the prince comes and, and carries the princess away. And, and in uh, the movie's you know. defense, I'll say this about Richard Gere's character. It felt like he truly grew. Yes. It was like his inability to be accepted and loved. It finally, it, 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 it it was like his character came to a realization, I am worthy of being loved. I won't let it frighten me anymore. I'll take the yeah. dive. So to the movie's credit, there's there that, is that, you know, and there is at least that. <laughs> it's a good movie. Officer Officer and Gentleman is, a. am going to say it. It's a good movie. Parts of it age poorly. Poorly, right. But parts of it have not aged a day. And that's the Lewis Gossett yeah. Jr. of it all and all of those training scenes. The most important parts of it have not aged poorly at all. Of many outstanding performances by actors in leading roles in this year of brilliant movies, the five nominees are for his multi-layered portrayal of the unemployed actor who becomes a better man by putting on a dress and gaining an insight into the world of women, Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie. For his remarkable recreation of the young Indian lawyer as he moved through history to become a symbol of peace and nonviolence, Ben Kingsley and Gandhi. For a searing portrait of a tortured American father battling a sinister system in search of his son, Jack Lemmon and Missing. For his deep conviction as an alcoholic lawyer who comes to victorious terms with himself, Paul Newman in The Verdict. For his flamboyant caricature of a swashbuckling film star who invades television with a lunge and a thrust, Peter O'Toole in My Favorite Year. Five outstanding performances, and the winner is Ben Kingsley and Gandhi. All right. Did they get it right? It is hard for me to separate my head from my heart. Don't. I would be hard-pressed to say, take the award away from Ben Kingsley's performance. Yes. That... 
that's a that's difficult a tough hill to thing. die on. <laughs> yeah, like I, 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 I don't know that I can say that. At the same time, once you lose the weight, once you shave your head, once you look like, and he looks so remarkably like the man. Looks, sounds, behaves. Yeah, yeah everything. He did his homework. And again, it's one of those roles where he is he he does feel completely the man the whole time, whether you see him in the beginning with hair right, right, and a right. suit in South Africa uh, to when you see him lying on his deathbed. Right. So I, I don't know that I can take the award away from him. But for me personally, I think my favorite performance is Paul Newman's. Mm. I can't argue with you. Uh, I can't I can't call you crazy. I'll say that. Right. Um, He's also helped a lot in that summation speech by the direction of Sidney Lumet, which is out of this world gangbusters. Sidney Sidney Lumet at the top of his game. You got David Mamet writing the script. Um, There is a frankness to this movie that is. The vulnerability that Paul Newman shows throughout the movie is really something else. And, and an, Sort of a, I don't know. This movie's very understated. Like, yeah. Um, one of the most remarkable things that I I noticed. You, you, we we talked a lot about like antiheroes, you know. And for me, like this is a this. Is, if you want to learn what an antihero is, right? This is the movie to watch. This is the this is the this one is, to watch. Right. One of them. Yeah. This is the story to look because you have this guy who is who has um, sort of given up on every virtue in his life except for one. Is that he still believes in the law. And, and the in the rule law. of law, and he believes in justice, and um, and he's willing to. But that's the part of it is that there's a part of him that has given up on justice. I mean, he's ambulance chasing. He's you know what I mean. But when he ha- when he when he sees that girl in the yeah. bed, that moment, yeah. and it's like that moment changed him. He actually saw the person in that moment, and then he remembered who he is, which is a lawyer who's supposed to be fighting for justice for what's right. And that's the moment where it turns. Yeah, and what's crazy is that there's a there's another moment later in the film where they're going to settle, and he's going to get a yeah. payday for that woman and her family, and he turns it down. Which, by the way, legally, well, you can't I'm just do. saying, like <laughs> he, he, there's like both lawyers are disbarred right, in this movie. Okay, by fine. the way, it's, it's a movie. It's a movie, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is that that like he is willing to pursue this this uh, core idea of like I believe in the law. You see him in that scene when he's holding his briefcase and he's got the check in his hand, and it's like he can't believe I'm not. I I can't do yeah. it. I can't. And so it's like, whose best interest are you? Who are you advocating for now? Because you're not advocating for yeah. the family. Who are you advocating for? And he's advocating for this for this last shred of himself that is like yeah. uncorrupted. Right. It's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. And I feel like the, the really poetic touch. This is directorial, but I, I, it's also a performance. It just in the first scene of this movie, he's he's drinking booze and playing pinball. Pinball. It's so good. It's so good. It is. So in the first scene, uh, he's drinking booze. And in the last scene, he's drinking coffee. Coffee. That's and the then big. You go, like, and Charlotte Rampling is like the bottles falling off of her desk while she's trying to call right. him. They have literally switched. Right. They've completely switched. You know? It's it's such a... it's such a. Uh, if you're not paying attention, you you'll miss it. You'll miss but it. You, but I don't think... I actually... I disagree. I think it's designed to operate on a subliminal level. Like if if you oh, pay attention, you'll catch it. But if you don't pay attention, you'll still get it. You'll still feel that he has changed. You'll still feel it. You'll you'll yeah. still feel that he's changed. And I feel like you know when, when you're writing, you're always trying to find how do I indicate the change without having to have a guy come up and start a speech say here's what I learned. You know, um, mm-hmm. and his whole arc is from booze to coffee. That's right. it. That's how this story changes him. And, you know, Newman just plays every beat pitch perfect. Also, though, I'm looking at this list again. God damn it. My favorite year is one of my favorite movies. It's always been one of my favorites. And, and you know what's interesting is you have 
you have alcohol surrounding two oh, yeah. different stories oh, yeah. in two different ways. Yeah, in this way, it's played for comedy much in the way that Arthur played alcoholism for comedy. Right. You know, there's no sh- like the fall down drunk as clown has is old. That's right. not new. Been around, it's been a, around while. a while. But um, but Peter O'Toole does it to Chef's Kiss perfection. Yeah. He's oh my god! It like this. The, Do you have a light? <laughs> This movie, to me, um, we've talked a lot about nostalgia in this yeah. project. This movie, to me, I I am blind to its shortcomings and its completely. I'm completely and I am charmed blind. by everything. I'm completely blind to its failings. Yeah. I cannot watch this movie critically. I cannot watch it objectively. I, I feel the fully exact admit. same way. I loved this movie from the first time I saw it. I saw it in the movie theaters. And you're the one that introduced me to this movie, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. You I were the know first that. one that told me he opens up this briefcase. It's just filled with dimple pinch. <laughs> and out come the socks. And he says, these must be his drinking socks. Oh, my God. And when I heard you say that the first time, I, I couldn't stop laughing. And then when it happened in the movie, I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, I hadn't seen that movie until until the late 90s. Oh, wow. You were the one that introduced me to oh, it. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. And what a treat. This movie is so, it's just, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's just good, and it works, and it's funny and weird and yeah. charming and uh, tight as a drum. Right. If you're in the mood for a 90 minute comedy, this I dare you. I dare yeah, you to like, find a better to movie. To find than a better this. one, exactly. And yes, just like all of these uh 1982 movies, like it it has not aged perfectly. Right. But so much of it is timeless. And um uh like I said, I've I've lost all objectivity. Peter O'Toole in this movie is um he's just a riot. He's yeah. a riot. And like you were saying, one of the few uh, comedic best right. actor nominations. Because that doesn't happen often. And that's um, and, and that's how you know it's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then... Uh, I'm not an actor. I'm a movie star. I'm not an actor. I'm a movie star. Classic line. And then uh, D- uh, Dustin Hoffman as Tootsie. We talked and that's a an lot iconic role. Like iconic. Iconic movie. I mean, that movie... Like we were saying, like it's it's coming to Broadway now. Like yeah, it's it's on. Its My way. favorite year was on Broadway too. It was. Uh, it was. It didn't do well, strangely, but um, but was nominated. You know, for yeah. plenty of Tonys. Uh, it just didn't stay long. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like you. I don't think. I don't think I could take. I definitely couldn't take the the trophy away from Ben Kingsley. Yeah. In good conscience. Right. Like I said before, like that movie feels like a throwback. That movie feels like Ben Hur. It, it feels like Lawrence of Arabia. And Richard Attenborough apparently was trying to make it for twenty years. Yeah, right. Um, and so he first came up with the idea when they were still making Lawrence of Arabia and Doctor Zhivago. And like exactly, this is one of those movies. It's three plus hours. It has an intermission. Mm-hmm. It is an epic. Casts of uh, uh, thousands of extras. Um, three hundred thousand extras for that funeral scene. In the funeral the, yeah. scene. You almost have to watch it just for that. There's another movie this year that didn't get award nominations we didn't talk about, um, but another kind of classic movie in its scales, a movie called Fitzcarraldo, this um, Werner Herzog film, where it's about a man who moves a steamboat over a mountain. And Herzog actually moves a steamboat over a mountain to make this movie. This is all practical. Wow. He's, he's I haven't he's, seen it. Oh God! It's a it's a fucking mad movie. Mm-hmm. It is madness. It's a movie about madness. Yeah, made in a spirit of madness. Oh wow! By a mad filmmaker. And mm-hmm. so, in is it a good movie? Like, no, I don't think so. But you kind of have to watch it. Yeah. Just to see, like, Jesus Christ! Like, like it's 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 almost a documentary of itself. Wow. In a way. Um, and so in, in that way, like Gandhi, I feel like you kind of have to see it because oh, yeah. they don't they don't make movies. Like they just this don't anymore. make movies. And, you know, it's funny. While I was watching it, I was drawing parallels to like the Lord of the Rings series. 
and when Peter Jackson won for Return of the King. Yeah. Just because of the scale of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. everything in that movie, the, the questions we ask ourselves now is, well, it's all going to be done d- digitally. Do I believe right. it? Right. And in, and in Gandhi, he's doing it <laughs> live in camera yeah. with 300,000 extras. Um, and that's and that not just and that, that, and that scene. kind of movie just isn't made anymore. Yeah, not just that scene does he have no, yeah, of no. Like there's a lot. Yeah, the, the, the vistas and and he's also filming in India, where it had been decades mm-hmm. since a, a film had been made there. Right. His his ambition to make a movie about Gandhi was as large as the movie became because when he was when he first envisioned it in the 1960s it was going to be impossible and right. it wasn't until uh the 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 early 80s late 70s early 80s that he had the resources that he was able to get into India and that and that an actor like Ben Kingsley comes father, along whose father to, whose father's yeah. from the same part of India right. uh, as as Gandhi like to have an actor like Ben Kingsley sort of emerge through the Royal Shakespeare uh, uh, scene um, to have as, as good an actor as Ben Kingsley available to you at that time. That's... Yeah, like it, it. So there is a um, um, I don't know. There's something sort of written in the stars about yeah. this movie that makes it kind of unassailable. And again, any other year, if you took if this if Gandhi didn't happen in 1982, right. you're saying it, you would go to Paul Newman for me. And that's the other ag- thing is the I verdict. Would agree. The verdict, I think, has five Academy Award nominations, no wins. Oh, God and I think on it. any other year, it takes home a lot of hardware. I think I think you're right. I think I think I think Gandhi kind of sucked the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. I mean, you're an actor. Mm-hmm. What's the most it kind of inspiring of of all these performances? Where do you? What were the ones that appealed to you on that level of like either craft or 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 just appreciation. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's why I gravitated, you know, that's why I said for me, Paul Newman, mm. because that's a role I would want. Mm. That's a role I would want to take on. But, you know, I feel the same about roles that weren't even nominated like Richard Gears. Yeah. Yeah. What a great a... performance and a, a, a meaty performance. And as an actor, that's one I'm interested in, mm-hmm. you know, Obviously, Louis, Lou Gossett Jr., his performance, they weren't strictly going out to just African-American actors at first. And mm. then somebody at some point, it might have been Arlie uh, Emery, who, you know, because he was an actual cadet sergeant, might have been. I think I read something where he was around at the time and he, and he might have told them, you know, a lot of those guys are, are African-Americans. Why don't you find an African-American? Mm. And that's when they said, oh, Lou Gossett Jr. Mm. But... Even, you know, you, you think of a role like that or I can't play Gandhi, but a, a, a role of that scope. Obviously, those are interesting roles. Yeah, I, I feel like um, there's I don't know, there's a there's a self-deprecating quality to all of these performances. I don't mm-hmm. feel like any of these roles are like vanity roles. No, they don't necessarily yeah. make the actor look good or heroic or triumphant. They really, even Gandhi, even Gandhi, like, right? Kingsley sort of um, um, really brings out his inner turmoil, like Gandhi's inner turmoil, especially right. sort of as the as the film is sort of ending in the in the resolution, as the British leave, and then there's the, sort of the infighting between the yeah. uh, between Pakistan and India, or the Indians and the Pakistanis, and, and and how that is tearing him apart is evident, and you can see how how much it weighs on him. Mm-hmm. Jessica Lange's performance even in Tootsie is kind of self-deprecating. Like she, right. she kind of knows that she's cynical and right. like it's not, like, you know what I mean? It's and that's, not, the, yeah, that's the other thing about the performances is they're all so very nuanced. Even yeah. in, a, in a Robert Preston. Yeah. Like even Robert Preston, who's like all of, there's a, like I said, there's a self-deprecating, there's a humility that each one of these actors is bringing to the table. Right. These are such great movies. I'm so glad we did these movies. Yeah. I'm so glad. We're finishing strong. We are. Right? I mean, for for all the things that we've had to have some slogs. So to be able to end with this, I got to say, has been really nice. And obviously we have another episode. We're going to be talking about uh, the best pictures and directors. Yeah. 
it's going to be interesting. We're going to be talking about some great movies. A lot of movies that we already talked about, um, but some uh, that we haven't. Mm -hmm. So let's do that. All right. Let's do that next time. I love it. All right. Until then, sir. Project 1982 is a production of the Everything Sequel Podcast, and was produced by Mike Shantz and Matt Aldrich. Original music by Emmett Aldrich and Murphy Aldrich. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In every class, there's always one joker who thinks that he's smarter than me. In this class, that happens to be you, isn't it? Mayonnaise? Today, the lift is up where we belong.